listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. What's up? Good morning, everybody. Good to have you back again today. Good to see you. Was Frank, Frank the first? I don't know who was first. I missed it. I missed it. I was dilly-dallying. I'm going to use like all old slang today. I was dilly-dallying. Fiddlesticks. <laughs> Too much Anne of Green Gables. Um, I'm glad you're back. Good to see you. It is Wednesday, and uh, we're in revival here in Ithaca, New York. His tabernacle, uh, the Ithaca campus, by the way, Pastors Chad and Jade Spencer. And um, if you have the ability to get here, tonight's the final night, by the way, uh, on the schedule. If you have the ability to get here, I would get here. If not, join us live uh, at 7 o'clock on all platforms. Today, I want to say welcome to all of the people that have jumped into Bible study made simple. I am so, so happy at the response we've had already. Um, You have, by the way, until April the 10th to sign up and be a part of Bible study made simple. uh, And then registration closes after the 10th. But man, I am so excited about how many of you have already jumped in uh, to the course And we're going to get started. There's already videos in there for you guys. If you're jumping on, you have no idea what I'm talking about. This is a brand new program that we're releasing called Bible Study Made Simple, where we teach you the principles to properly interpret uh, the scripture. And we'll not only teach you the principles, give you the tools, the resources to do so, but on top of that, after we're done, we're going to go through different Bible studies together. And uh, it's going to be great. And I, I I just was so happy to see like how excited everybody was to get going. There's like a ton of uh, comments under that very first videos or very first video. And uh, people are ready to go. Mike said uh, some of the videos last night, super excited to get going. Great job. User friendly. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Uh, it's it's going to be really great. And so every week, new content will be dropping. And uh, I'm, I'm so, so happy that people are as excited as I am to get started. Uh, so when you sign up, it's $15 a month to be a part of it. Like you see on the screen, if you want to check it out, you can go to bible.miracleword.com and uh, you can check it out and see everything that's uh, available and what you're going to get out of it. And then you can register to be a part of it. And um, it, it's every week there's new content for you. Every week you'll have something to do. We're going to have uh, private Q&A sessions in our Facebook group. You can get involved. You can ask questions. You can uh, interact with one another. It's really going to be great. For all of you that registered in the first 48 hours, which ended last night at midnight, uh, today there's an email going out, and you're going to receive uh, the book that was the early bird special, how The Bible in Its Context by Dr. Craig Keener. And uh, I want to say thanks for being part of the first 48-hour registrations. Uh, you're going to love the book. It's about a 300-page book that he wrote for Bible school students on how to read the Bible in its context. It is an excellent, excellent book. Frank said, I bought a new tablet just for this study. That's awesome. I'm really excited about it. So the videos that are up now tell you what to expect, 
Uh, we talk about Bible translations. We talk about why we use what we use. Um, we talk about uh, tools and resources that we're going to be using regularly within the course. And uh, so I'd love to see you. For $15 a month, it's the best investment you're going to make in 2022. I can tell you that. You're going to get a lot out of this. And so uh, welcome to everybody that's already a part. And uh, I want to just tell you, if you're not yet, jump in before April the 10th because registration will close down and it doesn't reopen until the late fall. Now, there's been a little bit of uh, confusion, I guess, or it's just not been made clear. Uh, this is not something that like we end it and then it restarts in the fall and we go through all the same content again. That's, that's not how this functions. It'll always be new content. It'll always be new studies, new Bible studies, different Bible studies. And um, so when you're jumping in now, you have the ability to now go through all of this live with the rest of us. Uh, we're not going to be rehashing uh, this stuff in the fall. So if you want to get in now, now's the time. But when we get in the fall, it'll be all different content. And so this, this is kind of like what we're doing now is what we're doing now. You have the ability to go through it with us, ask questions, have things made clear. Um, and then we'll, go, we'll move on to other things in the fall. So uh, it's good to get in right now while you can before the registration closes and not miss out on, on what's going. These videos <clears throat> are sitting in like a, uh, a, what you'd call a video library. So the, uh, the pool continues to grow as we move forward and you'll have more and more to watch at your own leisure as well. There's no start date. There's no end date. So don't feel uh, overwhelmed like, uh, you know, I've got this semester of classes and I, you know, it's, it's not like that. You'll be able to watch these videos at your own pace. So don't feel overwhelmed. It might seem like a lot when you think about all you're, you're going to learn, but we're making it as easy as the, <laughs> as the title suggests, it's Bible study made simple. So we're making it as easy for you as possible to grasp these concepts, even though they are um, great concepts. These are things you'd learn in Bible school. We're going to break it down for you so that you can easily follow along. I say that because I've had a few messages from people that are like, I hope I can keep up with the, the students and I hope I can keep up. Like, I hope I can understand this. And I've written them back and said, listen, that's what the class is for. We're making it so that you can understand it. We're, we're, we're guiding you through. So very, very excited about it. Would love for you uh, to get involved before April the 10th, the deadline before the, the registration closes. It's going to be great. Um, today, and by the way, if you missed out, uh, a new Last Gen podcast episode dropped yesterday. And uh, Alex just finished preaching in Fitchburg, Massachusetts. And uh, this is that audio. Powerful service. Testimonies already coming back. We've posted them on Instagram uh, and social. So yeah, something you definitely need to go and listen to. Get your students involved. Um, it's a really great resource for young people. I want to jump into this subject today, which is why revival goes missing. And what do I mean by that? Well, why we don't just see all out revival all the time. Uh, and Penny's asking a question. Is there an app on the phone to download? There absolutely is Penny. If you'll go to the app store, uh, the, the, uh, courses are hosted under an app called teachable. So if you download the Teachable app, you'll be able to log into your Miracle Word U school and access all the videos and content within the app for your phone or for your tablet. 
If you're on a laptop, you can go to miraclewordu.com and get in, get in, log in there. But yes, there's definitely apps for the phone and tablet as well. Um, people say, well, why isn't revival just happening all the time? You know, why aren't these things just, why don't we just have constant move of a constant move of God? How come there's just not like one thing after the other around the nation and all, all that? Um, and we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about it. Why does revival seem to go missing? Why does it seem like in many churches, there's not a move of God, uh, even in Pentecostal or charismatic churches? Why does so many of them seem that they don't have a move of God? And uh, it's, I'm sorry. Oh, there's not an app for you. Oh, so for those to, to follow up on that, Penny, um, for those that are wondering, the app for Teachable is only available for uh, Apple devices. So if you have a, a Google Play device, you won't be able to actually get the app, but you can still go through everything by uh, going to miraclewordu.com. So if you just go to miraclewordu.com, you can log in. You can watch it all on your phone, tablet, or laptop. But only Apple devices have the app. Um, people say, well, where, where's Revival? How come it's not hitting all of our Pentecostal churches and charismatic churches? And uh, again, this might be a little bit of a, a rant again today. I've been feeling ranty of late, <laughs> little ranty. Um, and I'll break into some of these other thoughts that I've had today as well. But we're talking about why is it that we don't see these things happen everywhere all the time? Um, I want to <clears throat> I want to start by quoting to you Matthew chapter five. And Jesus is teaching in his Sermon on the Mount. And uh, Jesus says in his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, he says, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they, speaking of them, those ones specifically, they shall be filled. That's the sixth verse of Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. And so without question, uh, the people that are hungry for a move of God will receive a move of God. Those that are crying out for God will receive and experience the power and presence of God. And here's the deal that when we start to look in scripture, we realize that God's not forcing his presence, his spirit, his move on everyone. He's not forcing it on anyone. He's looking for people that are going to pursue him. That's the case. They're going to pursue him. And I've quoted this before. You know, you've got um, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Uh, the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And they that come to God must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So even the reward of God's not coming to everybody. It's coming to people who diligently seek him. And so uh, God's watching to see the, the state of your heart, the state of the heart of the church. And uh, I was reading through Jeremiah 29 as God is speaking through the prophet to these exiles in Babylon, and uh, in the 13th verse, he's speaking to these um, these exiles about 
the plan he has for them in the future. He's not going to leave them there uh, in that place of exile. He's not going to leave them where they are. Uh, and, of course, we all know verse 11. He knows the plans he has for them. Uh, for their, It's for their welfare, not for evil, to give them a future, give them a hope. So he's telling these exiles, I'm not going to leave you there. It's not going to be your future forever. But he says in verses 12 and 13, then you'll call upon me and come and pray to me and I'll hear you. And look at verse 13. You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Notice what he says to the exiles. You'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That's a principle right there. That's a principle. God's not looking for part-time lovers. God is not looking for people who treat him like a hobby. He's not, he's not looking for people that are just not that interested in his presence and in his power. There's people that treat church like it's a part-time job or a hobby. That's not what God's looking for. And see, God doesn't pour his spirit out on people that are just coasting through their Christian life. They'll never experience the mighty encounters with the Holy Spirit that they think they should get by just punching their card at church, coming once every couple of weeks, every three weeks. And I'm telling you right now that revival, the move of the Spirit, is reserved for people who are seeking God with all of their heart. Those that are actually coming after his presence. Those that are actually pressing in in prayer. Pressing in. I was reading um, Dr. Cho's book. But the title of it should tell you everything you need to know. Prayer that brings revival. (laughs) That's what the book's called. Prayer that brings revival. That last verse, Stephen, was Jeremiah 29, 13. You'll find me when you search after me with your whole heart. And I was reading that book, Prayer That Brings Revival. And it's a specific kind of prayer. It's not prayer every once in a while. It's not five minutes of prayer a day, including your mealtime prayers. It's the kind of prayer where you're pressing in to God's power and seeking him, seeking him for a turnaround, a breakthrough. You know, Dr. Cho was saying in that book that, Uh, They even guard their night times so that in the morning when they wake up, they'll not be too tired for early morning one hour prayer because they know prayer is what grew their church. Prayer is what built their ministry. And so when they talk about prayer that brings revival, what he's saying is we prioritize prayer above other things because we know prayer is what brings the move of God. Prayer is what brings the move of God. So They began to prioritize their time and point it towards that prayer. And uh, and that's the key. People that are hungry are the ones who are going to see the move of God. Well, what, what does that take? You know, it's sad that in some of these cases, you know, it's just like you see over his throughout history. Some of the greatest moves of God took place during a time where things got hard, where things got hard. I mean, look how the church, when did the church explode in the first three centuries? Well, what was going on in the first three centuries? Um, 
they were persecuting Christians to the point of death. That it was a death sentence to even be a Christian until the peace of the church. And what happened to the church? It exploded. It blew up around the world. The manuscripts of the of the word of God were copied and copied and copied and passed around the world and through the church. What was going on? Heavy pushback against the church. But what was the result? The church was blowing up. Blowing up. Um, what took place in America in the, 19, in the late 1940s, 1950s? A mighty move of God. The voice of healing blew up in America. Well, what was going on at the end of the 40s and into the 50s? We had just come off the largest war in the history of the world with more deaths than all the other wars combined. World War II. And many were coming home broken, hurting, wounded, lame, blind, needed healing. And God released a mighty move of his spirit throughout this nation. But what was happening? It was a time when the world looked the very darkest and the power of God. So so does, does that mean God changes? No, God doesn't change. God doesn't change. But what takes place? Is it, it's the hearts of men and women that begin to change when these things in the world start to happen. Amen. And, it, and it's sad that it should take something like that for it to happen. It's sad that it takes uh, tragedies or uh, crisis in the world for people to actually get pushed back to God. But many times, that's what happens. And that's what has to happen for people because uh, the average Christian is not so dedicated and pressed in that they ignore the comfort of their flesh, that they ignore. I preached on this the other day and talked about God is watching how you respond, not just when there's an attack of the devil against you. God watches to see how you'll respond when everything is going great, when you're blessed. When you're blessed, he'll keep checking on you. Well, now that you're blessed, now that your bills are paid, now that you're out of debt, now that you're doing pretty well, are you still pressing into my presence like you used to when you needed help? Or now have you thrown life into cruise control because I blessed you? God will check on you and see how you're doing. And the thing that's sad is that some people will allow themselves to back off because they're, they don't, they're not in crisis mode. They don't need a miracle right now. It's, it's, and you, I'm sure you've seen it. There's people that's like when they needed a miracle, like right now, man, they press in like never before. They press in hard. Oh, God. And they go to prayer. They go to fasting. They go to church. They go, they're going at it. Why? They need a miracle right now. And then what happens? God blesses them. God touches them. The miracle takes place. Things are going well. And we settle back into comfort. We settle back into comfort and we're not pressing in like we used to press in. We're not going after it like we used to go after it. And so that's what, that's what happens. And you say, well, uh, what's the story then? What's the deal? Look at, look at the word to the exiles in Jeremiah 29. If you want to find me, you have to seek after me with your whole heart. If you want to find me, you've got to seek after me with your whole heart. 
Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And uh, we say, well, why, why does it seem like revival goes missing in so many places? Could it be that there are too many comfortable Christians in the Western world, Canada, the United States, the UK? Could it be there are too many comfortable Christians in the Western world? Because I'm not, it's not like God's not moving. You go to places where there's still extreme persecution, where there's still pushback in, in a lot of these third world nations, and they're having moves of God. Some of the largest moves of God that have ever happened in the history of the entire world. Think about that. In the history of the world. Largest churches, largest revivals, largest gatherings. I mean, greatest miracles in mass. Amazing. Amazing things taking place, bigger than have ever happened, ever. These crowds, these Pentecostal Christian crowds, bigger than have ever happened. So what's the deal? People are still being pushed back on. There's still persecution. People are still having to get hungry. They need a miracle. But one of the things, as I saw uh, Kim wrote in the comments, we're so spoiled in the Western world. It's true that we have so much available to us that many have come to the conclusion I don't need divine intervention. I don't need God's help. I can actually do it on my own. I don't need the hand of God. I don't need the power of God. I can do it on my own. And that right there is uh, something that will shut off the move and the power of God in any person's life and definitely in the church. Oh, I don't need I don't need that. You know, we can just do, go about our business normally. And that's what we've got. A lot of churches, a lot of Christians going about their business normally. Normally. It's it just, it's so funny to me. You know, it's like, uh, and this is part of the reason we have things the way we do. You know, it's like I, I was writing yesterday about the public school system, ruffled a few feathers. People weren't happy about it, about what I said about public school versus uh, Christian or private school or homeschool. People got, got a little upset. But let me tell you something. This is why the mindset in America is so twisted that they don't even understand the concept because you go up to where I'm getting ready to go next week where there was um, a large portion of Muslims that are now uh, displaced and living in that Detroit, Michigan area and you've got Muslims uh, and Muslim families basically running the schools, public schools, setting the standard where there was a... Uh, a frontline article, a headline article, I should say, front page, headline, Dearborn, Michigan, prayer is back in schools, but not for you. And it was a story about how Muslim families were so mad that there was not anywhere in the public schools for their children to pray during times of prayer that they petitioned the school board that there need to be places that are designated and set aside in the public school for our Muslim children to pray during calls of calls of prayer, which they pray five times a day. And so the school board was so overwhelmed with the Muslim insistence that they created places in the public school for their Muslim children to pray. Now, Christian children can't pray, but the Muslim children can pray. Why? Because the Muslims don't take no for an answer. They don't just cruise through their life. They insist upon what they believe in, and they go after getting it and taking it. Not only that, the school systems there uh, were allowing um, Muslim children to miss school on Friday to attend mosque without any penalty. So what's the deal? 
You've got Muslims that aren't willing to compromise what they will do and what they believe in, and they get it. They take it. But then you've got Christians. It's like, well, you know, it's, it is public school. It is, it is paid for by the state. You know, it, it, is, it is true. It's like, let me tell you something. And people think, like, I got pushback yesterday about why we're not seeing revival in our schools. We're not seeing revival with the children. And people are all bent out of shape because I posted that the school is a wasteland. It's a t- public schools are wastelands. Absolutely. And people say, well, you know, the Bible says that God will restore and rebuild the wastelands. Yeah, I'm sure that was the context of that scripture, you genius. God was talking about the public schools in 2022 in America when he wrote Isaiah 58, 12. People aren't even intelligent. And they say, well, you know, school, public school is where we should actually, and the very things that I said yesterday that people say, people are trying to come at. You know, that should be the place where we're reaching people. Yeah, I'm sure your six-year-old, you know, is is in there converting the class. I'm sure your eighth grader is in there holding, and I'm not saying they can't, but you know what I'm talking about? The majority of Christians that have gotten comfortable, they don't even go to church regularly. They don't even go to church faithfully. They don't even train their children in what to do, what to say. Here's a marker for you. Go back across your last 12 months and ask the question, how many people has my seventh have my seventh grader won to Jesus in the last 12 months? How many? Because if the answer is zero, then you're just lying to yourself if you're saying, well, we're sending them into public school to be a light in the darkness. They've not won anybody to Jesus in a year. So well, we're just sending them there so they can see the example. Great. Sacrifice your children on the altar of the Antichrist system and let them be brainwashed with all that's been that's going on, and and there's Christians. Well, you understand. You know, we're sending them in there to be a light in the darkness. You don't even go to church on a regular basis. You don't even tithe. Don't tell me your family's sold out to God and that your church are gonna, your children are going to be some kind of a light in the darkness when you don't even attend church. And that's the ma- that's the majority. By the way, I'm not making this up. These are statistics that the average Christian goes to church once every five weeks in America. Once every five weeks. Most most Christians are satisfied to attend a dead church because it's close to their house. It's a short drive. Or they get them out on time. Or whatever it might be. And they don't even attend that faithfully. And they think, oh, well, you know, we go to church. That's not what it's about. Are you making any impact at all? Are, is there any hunger? Is there any hunger at all? Yeah, I was a youth pastor, Mike. He said, then they come blame the youth pastor when everything goes wrong in the kid's life. I had that happen to me. Where I had a family, a mother of one of my youth came in to like rip me up and say like, I don't understand, my, I didn't raise my daughter to live like this. How come she's coming home from, and she's living like this and making these choices, and she's supposed to be coming to youth group and acting like a Christian girl? I said, I put the brakes on that real quick. I said, let's, let's ask a question there before we go in throwing any fingers around. How many hours are there in a week? If you don't know, there's 168. How many hours do I have your daughter for? One. One, how many does the public school have them for? Go do the math. Eight hours a day, five days a week, that's 40 hours. So 40 of the 168, public school has them. And then who has them the rest of the time? You do. So I have them for one, public school has them for 40, and you have them for the rest. 
So if there's a problem, that's what I said to the mother. If there's a problem, who, where do you think the issue lies? In the youth pastor that has them for an hour or the public school that has them for 40 or you that have them for the rest? And then by the end, she was crying and asked me to pray for her daughter and everything. I, and I prayed for her daughter. But don't put, don't put the blame at somebody else's feet. And if you want your kid, I'm not saying there can't be a revival in public school. We've seen it happen. What I'm saying is the way that most Christians are living their lives, they're not, they're not uh, uh, preparing their young people to be a light in the darkness. Are you kidding me? Give me a break. Seriously. And people on there are like, you know, you're, you're, just, you're just opening up the floodgates for people to attack Christians and Christian education. No, I'm not. Thank God for everything that Christian teachers are doing in public schools. Thank God. But let me tell you something. If you didn't know, Christian teachers in public schools don't get to choose the curriculum that the school teaches. Some lady on, on the Instagram, yes, we do. I've, I've been able to just say whatever I want to say. No, you don't. Christian educators in public schools don't get to choose their own curriculum or what they will and won't, won't allow in their classroom. And to suggest that is ridiculous and stupid. So, And I said, well, I said to her, thank God for all you're doing. I thank God for the difference you're making. But I'm speaking about the vast majority of public school. And she said, have you been in the vast majority of public school? How can you make that statement? I've also not been in the vast majority of the ocean, but I can assure you it's water. I've not been to every part to check it out, but I can pretty much tell you it's all water. People aren't even smart. It's like, oh, you're right. You're right. The vast majority of public school is really turning out some real winners. That's why people graduate from high school today and they can't even read. They're doing an excellent. You're right. I was totally wrong. They're doing an excellent job with our children. Teaching critical race theory, common core curriculum. I had friends that are now substituting schools. They said, you're not even allowed to correct children in the schools. You can't correct them. You know, she said, I was appalled to see the language that like seventh graders were using with each other on the track field. Like the, the language itself was so appalling. And you can't correct them as teachers that way. I mean, you've been given strict You've been given strict orders about what you can and cannot do. Gender fluidity, exactly. Have to teach. Why do you, th- you know, how crazy is it? You know, say like, you're, you're attacking. We're supposed to send our kids into, into class. Okay, why do you think that my governor, Ron DeSantis, had to try to pass legislation so that you can't talk about gender fluidity and homosexual and lesbian practices to kindergarten to three third graders from a, a span? What is that? five years old to eight years old what five-year-old to eight-year-old is an apologist running into their class and pulling out like 19 scriptures like actually uh ma'am let me just give you give you a little bit of an exhortation here which five-year-old to eight-year-old is being sent into their public school when this is when the antichrist system is trying to get a hold of them and trying to blast them and indoctrinate their mind and you got these nut jobs on my Instagram. This is the greatest place for them to be a, a, to use evangelism, to be a light. Our public schools are the greatest fishing ground we have. What five-year-old to eight-year-old do you know that's going in there and shaking their class? And I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm not saying it, it wouldn't happen. But they're not being raised like that. And so I, I lay that at the feet of parents. But public schools are a cesspool of filth. Then you got other people. Uh, where in the Bible does it say that we're supposed to hide in the temples uh, away from the people? We're, we're supposed to. 
How about go look at the entire Old Testament principle of God's people versus the rest of the heathen world? And God specifically told them, stay separated from them. Don't even, don't even move in with them. Don't marry their men. Don't let their men marry your women. Don't, get, don't live in the... And if you go into the same place where they live, drive them all out. How about that principle? Well, Jesus went into the marketplace. Do you think Jesus went into the marketplace to do the same thing that everybody in the marketplace was doing? People are not smart. They're not smart. Separation is called for. Why do you think you're not supposed to be unequally yoked? People aren't smart. I, I don't even know how to respond to people anymore because the people are like their intelligence level. God said, I will restore the waste places. Yeah, that, that's exactly what he was talking about. Checkmate on that when you got me. It was Isaiah 58, 12. God's, God's speaking of public school systems. Thank God that we are launching Bible Study Made Simple. I'm going to suggest to that guy on my Instagram that he would join Bible Study Made Simple so that he doesn't show up in people's comment sections like an idiot posting things from the Old Testament that are prophetic that have nothing to do with the conversation, like some Christians do, have no idea what the Bible means. Well, you know, you say it's a waste place, but God will restore the waste places. Unbelievable. (laughs) I don't know why we don't see revival. I know why. It's because Christians have put life into cruise control, and then they raise their children to think the same way they do, that travel baseball is more important than going to church, that travel soccer is more important than it, that, that doing all these other things, going to the lake house on Sunday to spend time with the family is more important than going to church, and they raise them with that mindset that other things, church is only, you know, church is a great thing if you have time for it, but if other things are happening, put God last and put yourself first. We have people that teach that to their children without even knowing they're teaching it to them. And then they grow up in public schools where they're being indoctrinated by the spirit of this world. Then they've got parents that are teaching them that God, God's not first. God's when you have time for him. And so you've got the next generation growing up that is just being totally filled, totally filled with an antichrist system. Then they go off to a liberal university, have no idea what they believe in their own life about Christianity. They're not, they have no ability to back up or defend the faith as they're commanded to. And then the next generation rises up with absolutely no knowledge of God, no ability. And that's why they leave the faith. That's why they, because the parents don't think it's a big deal. Parents don't think it's a big deal. It'd be a cold day in hell before I would put my children through public school. A cold day in hell. And I thank God for my wife, who's willing. She homeschools all three of our children. I don't want to hear from any person that it's just too hard to homeschool your children when my wife does it for three of them and does it on the road. Does it on the go. She doesn't even stay home. She's on the road in hotel rooms homeschooling three children. So I don't want to hear from some person, it's just too much, you know, uh, it's just too much to homeschool the children. It's it's not too much. It's that there's people that don't want to make the investment of time and don't think it's an important enough thing to do, and they don't do it. Blows my mind when there's people that will spend money on everything else, everything else, 
and won't spend money on things that's an investment in their actual family's future in God. So, if that's the way people want to live, that's up to them. But don't don't spew your retardation on my Instagram page because you don't understand how the world works. It blows my mind. Because I don't know why we don't have revival. I can pick me. I can tell you why we don't. And we need to have a move of the spirit, yes. But you better have it at home. You bet you better raise those children to fear God at home. I'm let me tell you something. Yeah, Quentin who's actually in school. Quentin's in high school writing in the comments. I'm sitting in math class right now hearing the worst language of my life. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now Quentin is one that that is a light in the darkness that could defend his faith. But he also came up in a ministry family. Was in church all the time. And I'm telling you right now that it starts at home. You know, do you, my kids are being homeschooled by a Christian homeschool curriculum. Do you honestly think that I'm depending on uh, the Christian homeschool curriculum to teach my kids about Jesus or to teach them how they should believe? You think I'm, de- just because my kids are homeschooled, you think I am depending on the curriculum that they send us in the mail? to teach my kids what they should believe about the Bible or teach them what they should believe about God, please. And I thank God for our, we have a great Christian homeschool. We have great curriculum. It's a wonderful, and if you want more information on homeschooling, send my wife a direct message or, or whatever. Carolyn Shuttlesworth on Instagram. Send her a message. if you, She's done podcasts on it. She's done episodes where she goes through what we use and all of that stuff. But But let me tell you, I'm not depending on them to raise my kids in the fear of God. It's like, that's so stupid. That's so stupid. If I put, if I put them through a private school or if I put my kids through a Christian school, you know, whether it was private Christian or just private, I'm not expecting the Christian school to raise my kids. Eva said, I had to listen to a Spanish professor talk sexually to make students enjoy the class and I hated it. The stuff you've got, you see that's coming into our schools. They've got transgender. They've got cross dressers coming in. They've got men that are coming in with mini skirts, sitting down and reading your kids' books. And parents are like, oh, you know, it's diversity. Can't say anything. You might step on somebody's toes. It won't be politically correct. Meanwhile, your kids have to sit there and go through that. And people get mad at me because I'm, I'm suggesting that public school is a wasteland. It's a freaking cesspool. And anybody that's dumb enough to actually back it, well, you know, there's Christian educators. Yeah, if you think the Christian educators that work in public schools are going to turn the whole public school system around, it would take a mighty move of God. And it's not going to be because you're like, well, I talked about revivals in my class one time. Oh, great. Great. So somebody said to me that I talked about revivals in my school, in my class one time. Great. That's great. I'm sure that's going to turn the whole school system around. If you haven't read the Bible, the, the, the church is not going to change the world in that way. 
Read the Bible. It will always be a straight and a narrow path, and few there will be that find it. The majority, what what the Bible is teaching is the majority of the world will go to hell. So that's depressing. That's Bible prophecy. (laughs) And people don't understand that the church, although we're empowered to preach the gospel, although we're empowered to do what God's called us to do, and revival will come, and revival comes for those that are hungry like I'm teaching today. You're not going to go through the world and change the governments of the world. You're not going to go through the world and change the culture of the world. It is what it's going to be, and it's going to get darker for those that are not serving God. That's Bible prophecy. It's not a surprise to anybody that's read the Bible. And the key is that we are to raise our children differently. Why do you think that Orthodox Jewish people have their own Hebrew schools? Has nobody ever thought these thoughts before? Why do you think they send their kids to Hebrew school? Teach them the Torah, the Talmud. Why do you think that they raise them up in their own traditions, totally separated from the rest of this world, from the spirit of the rest of this world? It's because they understand the the importance of separation. They understand the importance of putting into their children what God wanted into their children teaching them to read the Bible in its original language. (laughs) I mean, like, teaching them those things. A separated school. Why do you think that's there? Because they value what God gave them. And I'm just telling you, if you, because here's here's what I don't get, is that there's, there's apparently educators, and there's apparently parents that think, you know, like, I'm sending my kids in there, and I'm not saying every kid is a, um, not prepared. There are kids that are prepared. There's kids that are prepared. My 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 nephew Alex is in the studio. He he's smart enough. He was prepared. He on fire for God. He had what it took. But sadly, these are the rare exceptions and not the rule. And so it blows my mind. And people are like, so what do you think? We should just give up? No, I'm not telling you to give up. But you realize public school. Somebody wrote to me. On, Somebody wrote to me, public school is one of the greatest opportunities uh, for, for soul winning and witnessing. That's not even what public school is for. You go there to get educated. You're not there to, to proselytize. You're not there to evangelize. Now you can, but that's not what it's for. It's the greatest opportunity we have to, to reach people. For That's not what that's for. It blows my mind that people don't even understand the concept. I mean, for someone to jump on and argue that, you know, you're just really giving public school a bad rap. (laughs) I think you're just going a little too hard on public school. They're good guys. Come on. For the most part, they're good guys. (laughs) oh lord it's trash i agree aaron and everybody knows it and you got people that don't want to admit it because they don't want to do anything else so public schools where i live cost fifteen thousand dollars it doesn't cost fifteen thousand dollars to homeschool a child 
You say, well, where's revival? How come we haven't seen revival? It takes hunger to have revival. And you know, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy to me that we have people that want to badmouth the church. Well, I don't know why there's, our church don't have revival. Where's the hunger is the question. Where's the thirst is the question. Not everybody's going to be filled. Those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. The power of God. And, and you know, it is sad. It shouldn't take tragedies. It shouldn't take a crisis in the world for people to want to come back to God. It should take a love for the Lord that pushes us to hunger. You know, it's like uh, we've seen, we were talking about this the other day. There's, there's people that, you know, husbands and wife relationships, husband and wife relationships, and the husbands act like they don't even care that they're married. And then they don't even come into line until their wife threatens to leave them. And then it's like, oh, now I'm going to start acting a little bit differently because I don't, I don't want that to be my end result. It's like, why did it take until the threat to leave from your wife before you start showing a little bit of care, concern, uh, you know, saying nice things, whatever, going on a date? Why did it take until the threat of her leaving you? So that's how Christians are. Until there's some heavy crisis, they don't come back to like doing things with God again. Why does it, don't let it take that. Let those things flow out of the love you have for that person. Right? I shouldn't, I shouldn't want to buy my wife a a gift or say, uh, tell her that I love her or, you know, whatever. Take her on a date, do something for her uh, because of the fact that she's threatening to leave me. I should do those things because I love her. That's why I should do it. And in the same way, I shouldn't, you know, get back into the word because, you know, I had a crisis hit my life. I shouldn't get back into prayer because there's something, a tragedy came into my family. I shouldn't start attending church faithfully again because my life's a mess. I should do all of those things because I love the Lord and I want his presence in my life. I want his presence in my life. Getting rid of the distractions. I talked about it the other night. How Jacob, before he could wrestle with God, before he could even meet with God, he had to remove all the distractions from his life. In the book of Genesis. Went down beside the river. Sent his family across the river. His servants, his livestock, his possessions. And the Bible says, and he remained there alone. And then a man came and wrestled with him. Notice, the man, the, God himself didn't show up while Jacob was surrounded by distractions. He waited until he got alone, distraction-free, and then he came to wrestle with him. And Jacob latched on and said, I won't let you go until you bless me. That's, let me tell you, that is the attitude that many, many Christians need to grab hold of. And say, Lord, I'm not going to stop pressing in. I'm not going to stop praying. I'm going to fast throughout my year. I'm not going to stop studying. I'm not going to stop attending church. I'm not going to stop praising you. I'm not going to stop until I see the breakthrough that I've been believing for. The breakthrough that I've been believing for. That's the key. And I agree, Quentin. 
People misunderstand what being a light in the dark really is. I totally agree with that. And, and, and AJ makes the observation that those lukewarm type Christians, they stay that way and they go through that cycle over and over and over and the cycle never ends. It's like crisis comes, they, they get, you know, urgent. They come back to church, they come back to the word, they come back to prayer, they get a blessing, then they fade back into cruise control. And then all of a sudden, while they're in that cruise control, another crisis comes and the cycle starts all over again. And it never stops. Because people don't recognize that you've got to stay hungry even when things are going great. Even when there's, literally, even when there's no crisis, no tragedy, things are going, you're increasing. You know, my wife and I were in Indiana at the beginning of this year, as you guys know, holding revivals, two weeks of revival. And um, as we were up there, you know, we have just come through the two greatest years that our ministry has ever seen, 2020 and 2021. The two greatest, by far, the two greatest years our ministry's ever seen. And we're there at the beginning of this year, 2022, and we're just kind of walking by the river, talking with each other. And it's such a weird feeling to like, no, we just completed the two greatest years we've ever known by far and still have this feeling in our spirit of discomfort, of like, man, I feel restless. I feel the discomfort of knowing that, man, they were great, but that's not it yet. There's so much more to come. There's so much more to happen. That's not it yet. And that there's a press that needs to happen. Rather than coming through those two great years and thinking, now, man, we've really hit it. We're in, you know, we're cruising. No, we're not cruising. I feel it in my spirit. I can sense it in my gut that there's so much more than what God did over the last two years. And that even though we're at the greatest place that we've ever been in every metric, we're getting, we're pressing in again to see a greater increase. Why? Because we know God's not done yet. And just because we've been blessed and just because God's moved, this is not the end. God's got more. And it's an odd feeling. It's an odd feeling to have all those breakthroughs and all those wonderful things happen. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden you realize, Man, God's going to do more. I can't stop pressing. I can't stop believing. I can't stop uh, uh, pressing into that word. To the, and, and getting a prophetic word, by the way, for your life is a must. And that's not what the broadcast is on today. But I'll tell you, if you don't have a prophetic word for your life, then you're, you're literally wandering. And that's what stops people from pressing in. They've got nothing to press into. They've, no, they've got no goal. They don't even know where they're headed because they've got no direction. It's a broadcast for another day. But understand something. You got that word that keeps you pushing, keeps you moving, keeps you motivated. You've got a vision for your life. And you realize, man, this can't be the end. God's got so much more. And the it's funny, the, the common thread for people that really they get to that place of more than enough, everything's good, there's no crisis or tragedy, Man, they start to take it easy. Now I can just back off a little bit. We've been pushing so hard for so long. We can back off a little bit. No, don't back off. Don't back off. Press in. Press in. I'm, but listen, 
Don't think that I'm on here like a like a gloomy cloud. <laughs> you know. It's crazy. Profanity. Books in the public school library in Michigan. It's a story about a dad teaching son how to have oral sex. Extremely graphic. Disgusting profanity. Man went before the school board, read the book. While he was reading it, he was asking if they were censoring him. He said, you're censoring me now because this is so graphic. This book's available for my 11-year-old to read when she goes to the library. Insane. Insane. And you you got stuff going on like this, and people act like, well, you know. Offering the kids up. Offering them up. Offering them up. Most of them know nothing about, they don't know anything. There's, listen to me. You know, I know that there's no uh, kindergartners and third graders and fifth graders that are going in there like world changers. Is because you've got kids that grew up in church that go off to college. They're college age. And they don't have enough of the Bible in them to stay on fire for God in a public university, in a, in a, in a secular university. A liberal university. And they come back totally different. Totally different. They, you know, it doesn't matter if the, I'm not saying they're not intelligent. There's very intelligent people that don't have enough word and Holy Spirit in them to go into those public places and actually make a change. They get changed. That's what happens. They get changed. And don't tell me it doesn't happen. I've watched it happen. They don't have enough to make a change. They get changed. It's happening day after day after day. It's happening all the time. So don't tell me if college-age students that grew up in church don't have enough, don't tell me that kindergartners to third grade and fifth grade are going in there and shaking their middle school and shaking their elementary school. It's it's, It's not the case. And people need to be careful because... They act like, well, it's everything's cool. Let me tell you, those of you that are parents, it's not the public school you grew up in. It's not the public school that uh, I remember my friends going to. It's not the same one. Things have drastically changed in 20 years and people don't even see it. Things have drastically changed in 20 years. That's a short period of time, by the way. And they've drastically changed. It's a straight-up indoctrination center. Look at Marsha. Trinity High School, English teacher teaching 10th graders how to study and do witchcraft. It's not the same school. Things have changed. Sean said, I've had to take a stand several times. I'm telling you, it's time to take a stand. It's insane what's going on. And see, here's what most people never realize. They want our children. They want our children. If you don't think they want our children, let me encourage you to do something. Go on to Kindle or Apple Books or go to Barnes & Noble and buy and read a book called The Fourth Industrial Revolution by Klaus Schwab, who is the chairman of the World Economic Forum. The Fourth Industrial Revolution. You know what it's about? It's, it's not like the last industrial revolution where machinery made our lives easier. It's about controlling the children and using them for the future. That's the greatest harvest we can have now is the children that we indoctrinate at an early age, train them. 
It's like A Brave New World by Aldous Huxley, if you've ever read that book. that If you want to talk about something that was like extra-biblical prophecy, Brave New World, Aldous Huxley. Programming from a young age. That's exactly what's happening. <laughs> hold it. You got to hold it. <laughs> I don't care if you sneeze. People holding a sneeze like it's a demon. <laughs> Just go ahead and sneeze. <laughs> I will not sneeze on the broadcast. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I'm blown away that more Christians don't see it. Yeah, 1984, that's right, AJ. More Christians don't see it. And see, this is why that as parents, we have to take steps to uh, equip our own children. Equip our own children. You know, ask those questions. I mean, do your kids even know why? Do your kids, I mean, okay, if they're going to teach them that in, in public school, and that's going to be the, the, the common thought, if that's what they're going to be inundated with day after day after day, do you, have you even equipped your children yet and told them, you know, here's why we as Christians believe that it's wrong for boys to date boys and to marry boys and girls to marry girls and to uh, to date and love girls and you know have you even taught them a biblical stance about homosexuality and lesbianism yet so well when they're older they're getting it now they're getting it now well i'm gonna wait until they're older until they know more they don't now don't think they don't know if you think little kids don't know anything look at the ages statistically, that are watching pornography. Go look that up. You think people are like, well, they, you think they're getting into it when they're 18? <laughs> you do not know. You do not know. They've got phones. That's right, Bonnie. They've got phones. If you think your kids don't, it, 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 this isn't leave it to beaver. You've got, to, you've got to understand, if you're not preparing your kids, somebody else will tell them what to think about stuff. You know what? If you don't teach them about why, someone else can be like, I can't believe you serve a God that like hates gays. I can't believe that you serve a God that wants trans people to go to hell. I, I can't believe you say you love him and he hates trans people and wants to kill them. Like, And that's what they'll hear because that's what's being said if you don't know. The real God doesn't. The real God wants to use trans people. He loves trans people. He, and they, that's what they'll hear because they don't know. And you got parents, well, we're going to wait till they're 18 when they know more about sex. They know now. They know now. Nick, Nick Villano said, I knew at age 10, my parents weren't going to tell me what sex was. A fellow student told me. 10, fifth grade, 10. See what I'm saying? That's right. That's right, Mike. So you start to see there's there's a, there's an attack out against our children. There's an attack. It's planned. Listen to Stephen's testimony. He was eight years old when he started pornography. It took him 20 years to get free. 20 years. Eight when he found it. 20 years to get free. I'm just telling you. It's being pushed in their faces. And for people to think, yeah, that's, that's where I want my kids. That's where I want my kids. People don't even understand. 
that your children are a blessing from the Lord and that you have responsibility to train them up in the way they should go so that when they're old, they won't depart from it. And if we want revival in our churches, if we want revival in the next generation, we better take steps to prepare their minds and their hearts to search for God instead of being changed by this world system. To teach them how the Bible says that we should think about these issues and not let some classroom define it for you. Because let me, let me just say it. If we don't tell them early on what the Bible teaches and show them how the Bible shows we should think about these things, someone else will define that for them in a, in a method that is anti-Christ, anti-God. And twist their mind up to think that if your parents tell you any different, if your church tells you any different, Block Valerie Thomas. It's another fishing. It's another fishing uh, for money scam. And so I'm telling you, you got to start early. Yes, yes, there can be a move of the spirit in schools. We've seen it. What about that school in West Virginia, the um, high school where there was a revival? Well, there was a girl that was willing to stand up in her, in her hallways and preach the gospel, and revival broke out in southern West Virginia a few years ago. And it was so big that they had to give her the auditorium, then they gave her the football field, then they had to go rent a place in town, and kids were getting saved by the hundreds. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm saying it's got to be somebody who has within them the substance to make it happen. That means we've got to prepare them to do it. We've got to prepare them to do it. And I'm going to pray because I know what's going on. I know what's happening. It doesn't take 10 generations to lose uh, uh, people for Christ. It only takes one. Only takes one, just like it did in the Bible. Just like it did in the Bible. And so we're going to pray at the end of this broadcast and ask God to touch our children, our grandchildren, that they would have a mighty encounter with the Holy Ghost and be set on fire for God. That revival, what you know, as I'm here this week in, um, in uh, Horseheads in Ithaca, New York. Why do you think that, and even though I've really stopped doing, you know, youth camps and youth conferences and, and stuff like that, because, I mean, how long can you really do that stuff? I'm 40 years old. You know, it's like, how long can you be like the, the relevant youth pastor? There's others that can do it now. And I was just, but why do you think I'm still to this day, although I don't do anything else, I'm still involved with the uproar conference because <clears throat> I've seen the effect. I know what it stands for. I know what it accomplishes and I know what takes place, that it's unique in that it's a place that's not only free, it's a place where they're not just coming to get a nice entertainment, a nice little concert, a nice little soaking session. And then like a 10, 15 minute word that's relevant with no scriptures used. And then all of us, all of a sudden it's time to go home and really nothing took place. This is a place where the Holy Spirit moves consistently. It's the only reason I'm still connected with it. And I love Pastor Cody and I love Pastor Mike and I love Pastor Chad, all those that that are here. But the only reason I'm still coming to do it is because I know what it does. I know what it is. It's a mighty, mighty move of God for young people. I've watched young people get called into the ministry out of it. I've watched young people get filled with the Holy Ghost every year. I've watched young people get free and delivered from addictions. I've watched it happen. We've seen it. I've watched the altar packed with young people getting saved. 
I've watched it. And it's worthwhile because those are the things that truly do change a generation. Those kinds of encounters that will change a generation without question. So I want to pray today and believe God that your children, your grandchildren will be touched by the Holy Spirit's power and totally turned around, totally turned around. And then you'll impart to them what needs to be imparted so that truly you talk about a light in the darkness. They actually have the ammo to be actual light in the darkness. Growing up in church is not the ammo. That's not the ammo. Knowing why you believe what you believe from the word of God is the ammo. Being filled with the Holy Ghost is the ammo. So let me pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I come to you today. We are crying out on behalf of the generations under us. The kids, the grandkids, those that are facing the wicked culture of this world. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would totally give them an encounter that shakes their life this year and then give them a hunger for your word, a hunger for your spirit. Give the parents and the grandparents wisdom to pour into them what's needed in Jesus' name. I pray by the power of the Holy Ghost that you would use us to see change in our generation. Let us make an impact. Let us bring revival where we go. And Lord, we'll never be those lukewarm Christians. We'll never be those on cruise control. We'll never be those that don't care about our dedication. We're the ones who press in. We're the remnant. Set us on fire once again. Give us urgency. Give us boldness. Give us compassion. In Jesus' mighty name, use us before time runs out. Let us work while it's day. As the night is coming where no man can work. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you for that. We give you praise for it. I take authority over every wicked thing that tries to come against our children. Lord, we ask you, put a hedge of protection around them. Guard their hearts. Guard their minds. Guard their lives from every evil, wicked, and perverse thing that the enemy is using in this final moment of time to take a generation out. Keep them pure. Keep them set apart. Keep them holy in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you and we give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. That's right, Lena. Praise God. Listen, before we go, I'm challenging those of you that are watching to partner with this ministry, to sow a seed by faith, believing God. You want this this world to be impacted. You're a part of it. As you stand with Carolyn and me in partnership, you are standing with a ministry that's seeing souls saved, people delivered, people healed, And you become a part of that as you sow seed. I thank you for all of you that are standing with us, praying for us. I'm asking you now to stand with us. Why? Because time's running out and there's work to be done. Not only do you get blessed, but you get to bless somebody else by sending the gospel to them. And so there you can see it on the screen, miracleword.com. I want you to go there, click the give page, and then all the ways to give are listed. And uh, you can stand with us. If you click the partner page, you can see all that we're doing in this ministry. And then you can partner with us on a recurring monthly basis. And I want to say thank you ahead of time for those that are standing with us. Lena said, I've reached millions with my partnership with Miracle Word. And that's because every single week, our television broadcast goes around the world, 180 nations plus, 
and people are seeing it. Just, I mean, think about it. In India alone, as we're covering uh, India as a nation, they told us that 1.3 million people see it at any given moment. We've subtitled it in English so they can read it. And just people are hearing the gospel. We're seeing people saved all the time. The power of God's moving throughout the nations of the world via television, not to mention digital broadcasting and then live crusades and meetings and revivals. I'm telling you, God is doing the work and we're being yielded to his presence. You're a part of it. And so, love you, Dave. And so those of you that are sowing, thank you. For the month of March, as you're sowing, three different levels we want to give you. Those that are partnering at $85 or more, we're sending you Brother Hagin's book, I Believe in Visions. For those that are sewing $250 or more, we're sending also The Miracle of the Scarlet Thread by Dr. Richard Booker. And then finally, for those that are sewing $1,000 or more, we're sending you also with those two books, The Net Study Bible, 60,000 Translator's Notes. It's time to connect your finances to the kingdom of God. If you want to receive any of those, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. And um, we say thank you. But it's time. It's time to covenant with God and connect your finances with the preaching of the gospel. Also, don't forget, there's only really days left before the registration comes to an end. Um, Bible study made simple. On April the 11th, registration closes until the late fall. But go to Bible.MiracleWord.com. If you haven't signed up yet, sign up today and be a part of this Bible study program. It's ongoing. Every week there's new content. You will learn a ton about how to properly interpret the Bible, and um, you'll see things you've never seen in the Scripture before. Bible.MiracleWord.com will explain all those things to you, and you can register there. It's $15 a month to be a part of it, and you can join the private Facebook group as well and uh, get involved in live Q&As, discussions. It's going to be great, and I want to see you there. I can't wait to see what God does through this course. I love you guys. Tonight is the final scheduled night of revival at uh, um, Ithaca campus of his tabernacle. We'd love to see you there. If not, we'll see you online at 7 o'clock Eastern, all platforms. Have a wonderful day. I love you, and I'll talk to you in the morning. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.